just the way it is. Oh yeah. You gotta make a change. It's time for us as a people to start making some changes. Let's change the way we eat. Let's change the way we live. And let's change the way we treat each other. Hooters, welcome back to another episode of the Hoop Troop. We have a season review. We have to revisit the state tournament and the week that was. We got some exciting changes possibly in the future that we want to touch on a little bit as well. Um, before we get into that whole breakdown and talk about what we saw, what we liked this past week with the state tournament, uh, got to welcome everybody in. We have Doug down there in Pella. How's everything uh, your way? Going great. Just recovering from uh, drinking all the blue raspberry lemonade popcorn that I had at the state tournament. So um, doing great. Uh, definitely get uh, caught up in some good concessions there at uh, Wells Fargo. I don't blame you one bit. Tom, uh, made your way back up to the northwest corner. How was uh, how was your week in Des Moines? It was great. Uh, you know, four good days in Des Moines. Great popcorn, like Dougie says. Never had the Dippin' Dots, but did have, try that overpriced Chick-fil-A sandwich, and that was that was not too bad. Um, and then, uh, yeah, saw some a lot of great basketball. Yeah, that was uh, definitely some good basketball. Tony, big week, busy week for you. Anybody that was following along um, saw your constant updates and reports that you had all week, and long week for you, but everybody I know appreciates it. And so, uh, recovered, how are you feeling now after uh, a long week in Des Moines? Feeling really good. Um, it was a great week of basketball, but I think the best part was chopping it up with Mr. Raz Vanderloo on Wednesday night. There you go. We, which, by the way, I'm glad you brought that up. I was going to mention, thanks for everybody that came out to our event on Wednesday. We had a ton of fun. Uh, obviously, we were all there and talking shop and, and and having a good time and watching the end of a few games and even workshopping a few plays and a few ideas and it was just a lot of fun. And so thanks to all those coaches and fans that uh, decided to swing out. And Uncle Larson already is planning the next event of a of a pickleball tournament. And so we'll stay tuned for that. We'll uh, get that going this summer and figure out what that's going to look like. And we're going to need uh, you guys to swing back out to Smash Park for that one. And so with that, Chris Larson, welcome in. How are things? Uh, how are things down in Norwalk recovered from the big week last week? Yeah, I mean, shoot, I left. 10 30 and you guys were still there I, I that takes me a full week to recover being out past 10 o'clock i mean you guys are crazy these pickleball tournament we're gonna do that during the day a little <laughs> <Yeah>. more <laughs> spry for us old guys yeah who doesn't everyone want to know who the best pickleball player is in basketball coaching in iowa i mean what a what a source of pride that could be absolutely we get uh We'll have, to, we'll have to think about some of the rules, but it'd be fun to get, uh, a, you know, a coach and a player or a coach and a staff. Who's staff? Okay. Who's got the best staff? Best staff? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That'd be you fun. Know, just something to have a little pride in. Let's see who can get after it. Let's see how many strength and conditioning coaches show up for uh, for the yeah. for the other one on that one, right? Get the most athletic guy. Adam, how are things going with you? Obviously, a big week, too. Got down. I know you uh, were down at the well several days. An opportunity to uh, to watch those North Pole Comets as well, but uh, recovered, feeling good? Yeah, great week of basketball, like everybody said. Uh, real fun atmosphere. Some really good basketball games. Um, but I will add, the goat of all food and beverages at state tournament is strawberry smoothie. Plastic cup, small straw, strawberry smoothie. The greatest. 
That's uh, th- those are a hit, but I feel like they're often hidden. Don't you have to go to like the back alley or something to get those? Only only one spot uh, on the let's see the west side of Wells Fargo. Real small, kind of hidden, like you said, but uh, definitely worth it. They like the 15, hand those out of the fifteen dollars or what? What was the charge for them? It was something like that. Yep, I I tend to not pay attention to the price when I'm dealing with those, so I don't don't recall exactly. When they hand, it feels like they're handing those outside of the janitor closet. You'd think they'd be a lot cheaper than that, but you just uh, you got to get with the times. They have rolled ice cream there now. I, That's where I, it's at. I get with see, the times. Come on. I, I did see that. That was uh, that was interesting. I don't know. Is that better than dipping dots? Delicious rolled ice cream, hundred times better. You know. So I, here was my big thing. I gave up pop for Lent though, so I was there with my daughter and a couple of her friends, and this was the big debate. They they have one that's a root beer float, like, and you put a little of the rolled ice cream and you put some root beer over it. Yay or nay? Was I allowed to have it or not? No way. No. Not. Yeah. It's a dessert. Oh. It's not pop. <laughs> See, See no I should have talked to the Catholic guy. I was going to say, leave it to, the, leave it to the Catholic to know the way, the workaround. The yeah. workaround up there. I did not. I, I abstained from. I just had the regular ice cream. Oh, that's. But good. the root float is delicious. You gotta, you gotta try it. That is good. The rolled ice cream. That, uh, that's the way to go. The one thing I never understood too uh, is Dippin' Dots has been the ice cream of the future for what 15, <laughs> 15 years now. Like, when are we gonna get there? Like, when is it gonna become ice cream? <laughs> So, all right, with that, guys, let's jump into what was a fun week of basketball. We had a lot of good games, but I think it took – Doug, you're going to have to help me out here. Um, this was something I know that we discussed on Wednesday. Our closest game, did it take until Wednesday to get seven points? And, Tony, you might have to help us with that, too. We were – with that seven-point margin was was the closest one. Was it the Pella Christian? And then yeah, we, I believe it was Pella Christian's first round game against MFL was seven. And I believe that was the closest first round game. Yeah, because we didn't have one until that Remsen game, right? Tony, does that sound right that night, Wednesday night? Yep. Yeah, first round game, the closest was seven. What um, was PV and uh, Kennedy? Twelve. Was that not? Twelve. And by the way, you guys lost again, just so you know. Yeah, that was – Again, we won the first. Even though time. I think you won the first time, <laughs> As, you so know, I had Von Rant. You took Von Rant. You did not. Yes, I did. Go check the tape. I had Von Rant. Only four first round games decided by single digits. Wow. Hmm. Do you guys think that has anything to do with the new system of getting teams there? You almost would have to believe so. It, it felt like that. It was one of those things where there were some good games, but. Yeah, down the stretch, it felt like they stretched out a little bit, especially in the first round. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that might be a credit to the seating and where people were at, and it says that it worked. Well, maybe it had something to do with the shot clock because if you – you know, the one thing pe- teams couldn't do at three minutes left, what we've seen for years is just hold the ball, get fouled, and win a close game. They actually – you know, teams had to play, be more aggressive, which means the offense were more aggressive. They were trying to score or, you know, still playing, they're playing basketball. Yeah. There was a couple of those too, that felt like yeah. 
there would have been a situation where they would have pulled it out and sat on it, but they, you know, even late in the third that they had to keep, you had to keep playing and allow yeah. teams to, to hang around, which made it fun. I, I, I definitely think that the shot clock, as we've talked about on here has been nothing but a good thing. And, um, will be something will be really interesting to see how coaches and kids all adapt and adjustments that they make in year two, because I do think we'll see a huge improvement as far as some of the late game situations and some of the emphasis that they put on, you know, late game situations and lead or not. And so that was good. That was awesome. That was a lot of fun. Um, so let's go. I want to do a quick little, uh, quick little round table here and you guys, just overall themes as far as the, the week that was. And we're going to steal a little segment. We're going to do what went right and what went wrong. And so I want you guys to think of something that went right that seemed, you know, whether that you repeat what we just said and the seeding seemed to work. And, you know, we had obviously three number one seeds cut down in the net. So something worked there. Um, so what went right and then what went wrong, whether – you know, maybe just something little or something that could be adjusted or changed um, as we go through. And so, uh, Doug, you're top of my screen. And so I'm going to put you a little bit on the spot here and, and tell us a little bit about what went right and uh, what went wrong at the state tournament. What went right? You know, I watched the officials a lot and I thought the officiating overall was actually pretty good. Um, there were some games that I didn't really uh, enjoy. I thought there was uh, too many fouls called, a lot of tic tacs. Um, but I thought overall the officiating was great, um, especially in the three A four A games. I think they let them play for the most part. Um, so I thought the officiating overall was, was really good. Things I would change. Now these might be um, one of them's very very minuscule, but I think it makes a difference. On the trophy they hand out for this uh, third and or the for the semifinals. When you get that trophy, it says state participant. What they need to do is put state semifinalists on there. Just when you have it in your trophy case, then you know you at least you made it to the, the next round of game. So just a small thing, I think. Um, and then also, I think they should charge more. They charge, what, $10, $11 for an all, to watch all-day games. You go to an AAU tournament, and what is it, 15 or 20 bucks to get into those things? Why don't they yeah. charge $15, $16 for an all-day state tournament? Um, so, and that, oh. that's probably not real popular, but, you know, if they're looking to, because I know they're already cutting back days and they're cutting back trophies and they're cutting back the consolation game they, because of money, an easy way to make more money, just charge more. So those are a couple of things. That one, um, I don't disagree. I'd be interested to hear how that lands, Doug, on what people think about that one. But, how, many, uh, how many How many? kids you got, Doug? <laughs> <laughs> I sneak them in the back door, so we don't we don't pay full price. Yeah, makes uh, makes I, it. I live nice. I live in the I live in the world where I'd say I'd I want to make fast nickels instead of slow dimes. So I would keep. I think you keep the price competitive and encourage more people to come and make your money back on concessions and things like that. People are going to go. People are going to go. Parents are going to go. If it's $11 or $15, they go to AAU tournaments and spend $20 a day, Tom. Do they, do they bring their kids? Yes. They'll spend 50 bucks on a drop of dime. Uh, I live in low okay. income Northwest Iowa. Two things here. Two things, Doug. How about, how about we compromise? Let's, let's think win-win here, fellas. 
How about they have two different prices, one for students and one for adults? I like that. that and and while we're on that subject, you know, almost all the colleges that, that you go to, if you're a student at that college, you get into the games for free. High school's got to start following that same trend. High school kids should be encouraged to go without having to buy an activities pass. And high school kids should get to go to games. Now, I'm maybe state tournament, they still have to have a charge. But how about kids have one fee and adults have a different fee? I like that idea. Okay, I can live with that. Yeah, as I say, that, that's a good idea. I like that. I'm a harmonizer here, people. Yeah, I guess. You just you bring us just, together. Just meeting in the middle on everything. Um, I like that because I'm sure many people too saw the fundraiser event that went on for Hoover and to get uh, their kids to the game and, and have right. that opportunity. I mean, that's something that, I mean, to your point, yeah, like maybe there's a charge or maybe it's something where, you know, the school just gets 200 tickets that they can give to the student body of, or whatever it is to find a way to get more of those students specifically there to the game. Um, you know, cause to your point, Doug, yeah, I mean, the parents are going to, pay to go watch their kid you know but the other flip side of that too um with you know with the game streaming and being able to watch from home that also makes it tough and so if you have a price that you're like mm, i gotta pay to park i gotta pay to get in i gotta go down there now all of a sudden you're streaming and so you to tom to your point too it's like a little bit of how do we get them in the door and then let get their money once they get in the door so it is definitely a balancing act as you kind of go through that so those are good i like that uh way to start us off doug all right tom coming your way what went right and what went wrong oh what went right i i just i'm gonna give a shout out just because i think the uh uh the association did a pretty good job of just you know number one this goes throughout the season but just always trying to make improvements listening to for improvements and then trying to uh, something that was that I noticed this year that I've never noticed, and you had to be down back in the locker rooms. But if you ever been down during Girls State the last few years, uh, back in the hallway where the teams are, they have pictures of the previous year, uh, historical pictures. And uh, the boys did a little bit of a better job of decorating, make that a little more festive this year. A lot of people wouldn't have seen that, but it would, I think it lends to the player experience. Um, and this the next one is not really – I didn't even know if it went bad or went good. But I noticed throughout the week, my school that I work for is not very good at this. But some schools are. Some schools come in and you know there's that side is that school because it's a sea of red. It's a sea of blue. It's a sea of this. And then you have some schools that come in and it, they have these stupid themes going on, like the school I work at, where it, they had like, I think the theme for one of their games was uh, bikers and babes. I have no idea what that has to do with. I have no idea what that has to that theme has to do with the state tournament. Uh, I mean, I, I know and babes, bikers and babes. I mean, I'm not making this up. And I'm like, I, it's one of my pet. You know, you guys know me. I have a lot of pet peeves, and I'm old school. But it drives me nuts when I'm like, man, represent your school. Uh, when when. Uh, you know, I walk in, I see a sea of green. I know who it is. I see a sea of red. I know who it is, you know, and I, in my own school, I'm like, yeah, I don't, I, if, if I didn't know these people behind me, I could not tell who they were. I, I just like to see those school, the schools that are representing and some of them did a great job. Some of them were. Eh, eh. <laughs> well, and to that point too, I mean, 
they're like they all have jersey like they do the jersey theme and they yeah. all have the hawaiian like you could end up like what if you three schools walk in and you're all doing hawaiian night you don't right. know who which one's with now as long as i'm on that subject i do want to give my first shout out of the night and i could not tell you who the kid's name was but the kid from pella christian that walked in at halftime in the in the number 44 mark gannon jersey walked out <laughs> And his first shot was a two-handed flush. I'm like, what's this kid not playing the game? Then he hits a free throw and a three-pointer. You know, I was waiting for him to knock out Muhammad Ali and do it, you know, make it a four for four. <laughs> well, how's that kid? You guys saw this kid. How's he how is he not playing basketball? Love to know. Did we get a name was. on that? I was gonna say, did, did we get a name no, on him? No, no I need somebody to get to can find that name. That's He's a challenge. From Christian. Huh? I'll figure it out. He's from Pella Christian. I'll figure it out. Yeah. I know we were talking about it in our chat, but yeah, I don't think we ever got to the point where we got a name on him. So we'll get that. To, that, could, get that kid would have started for 85% of the teams in the state tournament. That's that's like the ultimate get that kid a jersey, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, Tony, you saw a lot. You had a lot going on. The front row access, you saw so many, so many fun and different things. And so hopefully, hopefully Doug and Tom didn't take yours but what went right and what went wrong this past week for you at the state tournament now i'll circle back to the rankings as the thing that went right um for the championship games it was one two one three one two and three four um there weren't that many upsets this year you know outside of the big pleasant valley kennedy game that i don't think anybody saw coming um i think the the seedings basically held true to form for the most part. And I think that's a, a testament to, to the job that everybody on the, on the respective committees did ranking those teams throughout the year. So I think that's something that, that went pretty right. Um, small nitpick for, for what went wrong and something that I hope changes in coming years is, is how we vote on the all tournament team. So we have to have the ballot submitted by halftime of the respective championship game to give them time to, to tabulate the results and everything. Um, I'm hoping that at some point here in the future, we can, we can get online and just put our votes in um, and get those tabulated immediately so that we can wait later in the process. Um, like in class three, a Colby Collison probably deserves to be on the all tournament team after the second half he had in the championship Ooh. game, but his teammate Cole Miller, who had a good two and a half games, but, kind of disappeared there in the second half of that game ended up probably getting Colby's spot. So just a small nitpick on the way we do the all tournament stuff. But uh, for the most part, I think it was a, it was a good week all around. Yeah, that's a good, a good point you bring up too. And that's something now using the technology that we have, that it feels like you can definitely wait because we've all seen basketball games that have made huge changes and players who've made huge changes in the second half. So it feels like that would be, something that could be easy to execute. It would probably be the user and getting them familiar with the technology and everything that might be a little bit of a headache, but uh, I think you could get there pretty quickly. It wouldn't, uh, wouldn't take too long and it would definitely make for our, a, a better experience, probably for everybody, even the people who are trying to tabulate those votes and get that stuff figured out. If they're like, oh, I just opened my screen and here it is, it's, it would be a lot easier. So that's a good one. Oh, real, go ahead. Real quick question, Tony, for an example, I mean, if there's five kids picked, how many would be on a normal class be nominated? 
Are they picking five out of 15, five out of eight? That's a good question. Um, I know sitting sitting next to a couple people who are voting, we had our voting pool down to probably seven players. Um, so I can't imagine it goes much, much bigger than that in each class. But, you know, some of those classes were like 3A, for instance, where Bondurant has five kids who don't really stand out above one another. Maybe you've got all five of those kids plus some – Xavier and Helan, so maybe we're up to 10 or 11 in 3A, but for the most part, I would guess it's probably seven or eight. How big? Have they always just done five? Is that how it's always been? Betsy, you probably know just four players and then one captain. Uh, As long as I know, I think it's been five guys. So I've been voting on it now for nine years, and it's always just been five on the ballot. Uh, Captain gets six points and then four, three, two, one. And how how big does winning have to do? you think with the voting for that uh i got a couple questions about why aiden yamilkoski was was the captain in 3a um and at at the time it looked like xavier was was headed towards the state title um and he had been their best player all week so i i put him at captain on on my 3a team but that's that's another thing where if we wait until the end of the game to be able to vote then maybe he's not in my captain spot and it's it's colby collison or somebody different well, even like from looking at a championship game, if there's one really good player on the winning team and there's two maybe equally or just a step below good, but they obviously get second, are you trying to find another person on the winning team? Or are you taking the two from the second place team? Or what, what do you think a little bit as far as how that kind of tips that second tier maybe? I generally just try. I don't care about getting X amount of players from a winning team onto the onto the ballot. I only had one player from Bondurant on my ballot. I actually had two from Helan who lost in the semifinals. I had uh, Noel and, and Carter Keel were both on my ballot. Um, so I, I, I just try to reward the five players who I thought have had the best week instead of, of rewarding winning or losing. That's good. Cool. Interesting. You know, I, I, can, can we... And, and I don't know. I, I feel like I'll get a lot of kickback on this from you guys, but maybe it's just not even the right time for it. You know, um, you can, it, there's nothing that says it has to be announced right on the court at that time. And, and I get it that, that there's a little tradition to that, but I also will say there's something that gets really weird in those situations when the team that just won a state title kind of has to look at their two best players and be like, Oh, who are they going to give it to? I noticed that in the girls tournament as well. And I know this is probably just the coach coming out in me, but I hate it. Like I, I'd rather just let that be the team celebration. And then the next day in the paper or something, you can, you can celebrate the the individual <laughs> tournament. There is some awkwardness to it though. You watch those kids and they kind of sit there and, I, I guarantee, and I wasn't watching that, but I guarantee you Colby Collison just won a state title. And then he was like, holy cow, I, the best player on this team. I'm so happy, but this is kind of feels weird. It makes for some really awkward moments for the, for the players from the losing team also who yeah just had their season end in heartbreak. And, picture when they're all sad. And and, yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, I, I guess I felt like everyone actually accepted the award pretty good from the ones that I saw this year but I I remember thinking to myself during the girls ceremony when they were getting theirs and posing for their pictures that 
you know, they were smiling and everything was kind of fine, you know, in that moment to get that picture. And I just, yeah, I just remember registering in my brain being like, there's no way you're going to smile out of me if I just got second. And that thing, I am like, whatever, (laughs) like there's, that's, uh, that's tough. So that's good. All right, uh, Chris, well then what, uh, what went right? What went wrong? I, I agree with everything that's been said. I, I kind of echo what Tony said. I, I think it made for a really great tournament. I I, I want to just kind of harken back. Obviously, this was a big memory for me, but to think we were only three years removed from having an empty gym, I felt like this year was finally just back to a normal state tournament. And, and not that the last two haven't. Obviously, they've had their the you know a little bit more feel, but it just feel it it feels good to be back. Um, and so I think that's just something that hopefully a lot of us aren't ever going to take for granted again, just like sitting there and going, yeah, this is great having kids and communities celebrating and no one was really worried about it. And, and like I said, I'm not saying that that hasn't, hasn't been there the last two years, but I think that's been a progressive. I, I actually took a second when I was there on, on Friday and kind of thought about that though, like, um, and again, like like I said, it's always kind of in the front of my head because it was a different experience. But uh, it, it just it was nice to be back to normal, like fully back to normal. Um, and, and it's such a good celebration. But that does kind of the the one tweak that I wanted to talk about is just I would love for us to modernize the the game day atmosphere a little bit. You know, go to a Drake game, go to the Missouri Valley Conference tournament. I've never been to like the Big Ten Conference tournament. But like there's so many things we could do to have some fun with kids, especially like, you know how at Drake they have the guy who's like the the MC during timeouts and he's walking around and both at the games and on TV. I just don't think the boys boys side does a good enough job with that. You know, when you're watching the girls game, they, they cut away and there's the guy sitting up in the mezzanine talking and he's interviewing different people and. And whatnot. And it just makes you feel like it's a, a celebration. They kind of just rerun all the same interviews for the boys. And they're the same that were on Monday. So you're like, well, that's not authentic or anything. I just think they're like, we're getting closer, but like there, there is magic to be had. If there was a guy, you know, that energy guy, the, the hype guy walking around during timeouts, interviewing kids from both stand, you know, doing, I don't know that there, there are people that are better at figuring that out than me, but I know I've been at arenas um, and there was the right energy in there. I just think there are some things we could do to um, spice it up a little bit. Uh, piggyback on that a little bit, Chris, what about doing, and I know there's been talk about moving to five classes and moving to a more of a final four type thing. And that's kind of rumored out there, but like South Dakota does it a little different where they actually have, it's a three-day tournament. So you get three games, no matter what. And they do make it more of a celebration for the teams that got there. So they actually go up on Wednesday. You practice Wednesday. They have an FCA banquet at night. So they celebrate the teams. And then you play your first round Thursday, second round Friday, and then obviously your constellations or championship games on Saturday. But you get automatic three games. So they do make it more of a week-long celebration for the kids and coaches, and they honor them. Um, but you know, I don't know if we'll ever get to that point, but I think that's kind of what you're, you're thinking about. And it is yeah. it's a bigger, bigger deal. Yeah. I, I just think all of those ideas just to, again, encourage, we, we need to stop worrying about money all the time. And I think that's what it comes down to. Right. 
Well, that's why they cut the consolation games. That's why they cut another day off the tournament because they're trying to save money. Well, let's move it to a different location where it doesn't cost so much because they never fill very rarely they fill the well. Can you move it to, to Drake or can you move it to Ames? I don't, I don't know. I'm just throwing out ideas, but it always seems to say, well, it's because it's too expensive. It's too much money. Well, then charge more to get in, charge the sponsors more. Right. I mean, that it's logical. It's it just make it those first days they say are, you know, it's hard to recover the loss on the, some of the first days anymore because so many people are not going down on their first days because they get out of work and they, so they can watch, they can stream it now. And I want to say, and I, I'm going to be close, but off that it's almost 50 grand or more a day to rent that place. It's a lot. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, we're not I talking we're not talking five grand. I think I think we're talking big money per day. But I think that's also exciting part of it. Like maybe less would be more too, you know, um, because I do think there's a different vibe on Thursday and Friday once you get to the semifinals. And I think that'd be all right because I think there's something to be said too about the numbing it out. And then everyone's kind of worn out also by Thursday and Friday. Whereas, you know, if you, if you do break it up more, um, so that you're playing to get there on that first weekend. And then I, I would also argue you could do a lot of the sell just because you're only bringing four teams to actually play down there. Doesn't mean that you still couldn't have a big celebration for the teams that made substate and, you know, invite them all back and invite your, your best players. And, and, and maybe you could have your all state guys ready to go so they could be part of the, you know, the ceremony and everything, but just really celebrate Iowa high school basketball on those two days. So to go with that, Tom, help me out with this. Did they, they used to do like a meal or a banquet, right? For the teams that made the state tournament. Did they ever back early? Like when we was at the barn, they no. didn't, they, have, they didn't. I thought for some reason, well, not in 2003, I felt like they did back like early nineties, mid nineties. Um, I thought the teams or like the classes or something got together that had made it, but maybe not. I, maybe that was, yeah, not that I've ever known. Um, you know, one thing that, that we could talk about that would that I really I think anybody that was around during this time really misses it was the coach's hospitality room that used oh, yeah. to be at yeah. Um, just where those coaches could all meander. Now you go down there, and I don't I think that's one of the reasons we don't get more coaches down there is there's not really a I don't want to say a gathering place because I mean it it Back at Vets, and I know you guys are all young, but at Vets, man, the, the coaches, every coach sat on the one side. They all went into halftime and got their Coke and popcorn and talked and chatted and BSed. And, and we, I think we kind of lost that a little bit. So doesn't the girls, don't the girls do something like uh, Cooley's Corner? They have some down there. They, they, got, got, they got drinks, and, and that might be just for the players. I don't know. But they have couches and drinks and everything yes. down there. I mean, why? Now they take away some of that seating, we, but why can't they do something like that? We, we tried it the first few years, but they put us in. They put us in a. They, I mean, they were making a good effort. They put us in a skybox, but it just wasn't convenient. You know, I don't know time, yeah, yeah. I remember that uh, that coach's room at uh, well, or sorry, at the barn. Um, when my dad being official, he we we went in there every time too. And I mean, I was pretty young, but I remember there always being a ton of ton of guys. It was always busy. Like it felt like the old like smoker's room where you just go in and you know, <laughs> just sitting around, just, you know, it was, 
it was uh it was fun that was a good time so all right uh adam what do you got for what went right other than the the strawberry uh daiquiri and uh what uh what went wrong last week at the state tournament yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna just hop on the back of uh, the rankings i mean i feel like it was um obviously something that we thought um had to change and obviously did change and i think that that made the ba basketball better that week last week um you know the i guess what went wrong just just a couple of i guess material things but i i think the the hanging scoreboard um in the middle of the ceiling needs to be have a little revamp to it it was just just numbers and names and yeah, I know I mentioned to you, I guess, a couple of you guys that you didn't even know when the game started, which, which, which column was points and which column was fouls. Uh, they didn't, didn't have that up there. And also, you know, the, um, I guess the, the scoreboards around the, around the seating during the girls, they had uh, the girls names, they had percentage points, rebounds, stuff like that during the boys. I think it was just advertisements. Um, and then uh, I believe it was a Marion game. You guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but the but but the scoreboard actually stopped stopped working, and uh, the announcer had to announce every time somebody scored what the what every what each team's score was. Obviously, they can't help that, but uh, that's something that went wrong. So you know, overall, honestly, I think there's you know some good things that go into that week, and obviously some changes. You can make changes with everything, but uh, I think we're in the I think we're moving to the right direction. Yeah, I know. I agree. And you completely stole what with the scoreboard. That's one thing that uh, I noticed, too, that they're working towards it, because I think before they just had the video with the score like you would see on TV on there. And so they finally now getting some points and some of that stuff. But um, again, referencing what the girls have with the with the full board. And first of all, the score right there. So, you know, exactly who, where and how. And then, yeah, having some of that additional information, you know, it, makes the in-game experience for the people that are sitting there watching knowing what's going on and hey all right we're gonna have to file down the stretch they're only shooting 65 percent from the line like this could get interesting um it's fun to see some of that at least for some of the people that are there and so that feels like a feels like an easy change and maybe not maybe there's a lot more that goes into that than than we know but uh i think all the things that you guys alluded to made for a really good week you know the reoccurring theme is the seeds um i think with that we got the best teams in the state to the well and then accompanying that is some of the best players and so there was just a high level of talent um out there on the court and so that was something that was a lot of fun to be able to see and a lot of storied programs too with some really good coaches and so there was a lot of of fun things to celebrate about the year that was um in high school basketball and so Overall, I thought it was a, a wonderful week. Yes. Well, just one thing, and I'm, I'm not trying to pick on semantics here, but I, I do think it's an important difference, just in case we have any listeners who think this. I, I think the teams that deserved it made made it way down there. And the, the tournament was shaped appropriately for those teams that had earned it. But also, like, if you look in 2A, there were some some teams that didn't didn't make it because they got beat in the substate, you know, and I just think that that's important to remember if, if it's somebody out there who's thinking, oh, well, geez, that's that's not right, because, you, you know, they still had to earn it because there were other teams that were had really good seasons that got beat uh, along the way. And so, um, like I said, I'm not trying to play semantics on it at all, but I do think that's an important difference that uh, it, it the, the teams that got there had an appropriate route 
you know, to earn their way. And then um, they, they got the job done, but it made for really good. Uh, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, and I think it, it, we have to give kudos. You know, there's a lot of changes being talked about. And so good job for being open-minded up there in Boone because there's a lot of good things going on. One thing we talked about last week was, you know, it'd be nice to go to the tournament and have a list maybe in the program of, hey, where's where's that guy going? Who's going to play college basketball? You know, yeah. so you can, or who's undecided? And uh, I did talk to some some guys and they said, you know, to put it in a program, then you're relying on teams to provide you information and half of the teams will, half the teams won't. But maybe that's something that, hey, we could do next year is put together a pre-state tournament. Uh, you know, we get the teams, we got the genius Tony Rowe, we get, maybe we get this information from teams and we put out a, a state tournament, uh, who's who, who's going where. Who's who's playing college basketball next year? That's playing in the state tournament. Uh, I just think it, it's it makes the game a little bit more fun to to know where a guy's playing. Especially if you don't with everybody from all over and you don't know you know a player or you haven't heard of them. Um, it would be it would be a nice tool to be able to have or to know where they're going. Just even for water cooler talk. Yeah. Uh, to your point, Tom. Too, I, I think maybe you could just give give Tony Rowe like just some crazy amount of like food concessions for the week that are oh, some, some bonus and he could probably he could probably work that up for you in 25 minutes just put tony rose just put tony rose number across the scrolling across say if you have questions about a player he'll know tony will know that is for sure. So, all right, guys. Well, real quickly, I do want to run through in case anybody has been stuck under a rock and hasn't figured out um, who who our champions were and, and how everything shook out last Friday. But so in 1A, obviously, Chris Larson Christian took care of business and, and beat Northland in that championship game, 63-46. Quite the performance from Grandview Christian throughout the year um, in their ability, as we've talked about on the pod several times to go and play kind of anybody wherever, and then to show up down in Des Moines and do normal Grandview Christian struggle a little bit in the first round type things, and then really kind of find it in, uh, uh, I would say, cruise to uh, another state championship for them. And so 1A as a whole, I'll let you guys kind of jump in or comments or where you have um obviously larson what do you what do you think of your boys uh getting another championship i wonder if people who are listening are actually understand the sarcasm to all that like not that i i have i am completely neutral to them however um i do want to give kudos to them um they really beefed up their schedule this year and we talked about that a lot throughout the year and i thought you could really it really paid them dividends at the state tournament this year they looked uh, a little bit a little bit different than they have in the years past. And obviously they've been big and talented for a long time, but they looked a, a little bit more focused um, on a mission. I thought, uh, you know, cause the, 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 was it the final game that didn't get, I was trying to remember if it was the final or semifinal, it was a little bit of a rocky start, like in the first quarter, um, you know, and, and North Lynn, let's be honest, we've all seen it. Their, their press has given them some problems in the past. And I just thought they looked a little bit more championship level prepared. And uh, I think we'd be remiss in one day not to give a shout out to Coach Hilmer and, and his squad. They uh, they do a fantastic job. And I know uh, Tony will probably add that they're going to be back uh, for, for several years to come. That they will be. Yep. Obviously, Josh Sanderson was was incredible in the semifinal game for Grandview against uh, West Harrison. But I think the 
the X factor all week for them was Noah John, who is their fifth leading scorer all week, but he just kind of does all the, all the dirty things that, mm-hmm. that some of their star players don't really do. You know, he sticks his nose in there and rebounds. He defends kind of one through five. Um, and he, he's just like the unsung hero of that team for that, for last week, I think. Um, he won't obviously won't get the credit that Sanderson or Daniel Tobaloba will get, but just wanted to give Noah a shout out because he played really well last week and was probably one of the big difference makers in them taking home the 1A championship. I will say I it's think, funny. Oh, go ahead, Doug. I would say I think we need to give Wes Harrison props too. After watching them that first round, I think we all text each other, saw each other, and was like, "Oh, they're gonna, they're gonna pop Grandview in the in the mouth," and that didn't quite happen. But they that first game. They, they looked unstoppable. They came out, they kept fighting in the second half too, though. I mean, they, they had a big deficit and they got back into it, which shows what kind of a team they had this year too. They were fun to watch. That was My guy with the mullet. What was his name, Tony? Sage Evans. There Sage. you go. Number 35. That's right. It's funny you say that, Doug, because that's what I was going to say. Because even I mean, even our our text, but just talking to other people too, look out for Wes Harrison. Like that could could catch him off guard, and it's almost like uh, Grandview Christian had, was hearing those whispers and just came out and just just laid the hammer down right away to start that game. Uh, and so yeah, that that I think caught a lot of people by surprise that it was so lopsided early on in that. But uh, no, it'll be it'll be interesting, and so. <laughs> I'd be remiss not to bring this up, but obviously Twitter had its day with uh, Grandview Christian and trying to figure out where do you put these guys from a class to what competition. And the hard part with this, and we talked a little bit off air, is these things kind of go in cycles other than Northland, I guess. They don't really seem to go in cycles. They're just always there. But these things kind of go in cycles. And, I mean, this team this year for Grandview Christian obviously had – some crazy talent on it and so where do you put these guys as far as being able to class them out is it something where you know taking a look and it sounds like from all whispers that they might be on the move or possibly moving up a class into 2a depending on numbers um but i mean is there anything that needs to be adjusted or changed or what do you think as far as uh, uh, you know with the christian school and their enrollment and how they're able to kind of handle some things um be down competing in 1a i mean is it it's just obviously they're not doing anything wrong following the rules they're playing who's on the schedule larson you mentioned it um you know they went out and showed that they can play with uh 3a did they play a 4a i think did they play a 4a yeah they they played east or roosevelt maybe both i think they played a couple of the des moines schools and so i mean this team it wasn't it it wasn't that uh, they were not the, the best team. It was mm-hmm. almost like, Jesus, this team <laughs> got essentially too good to be playing in 1A. So what mm-hmm. are a little bit of our thoughts on trying to figure out how you do that? Is it just something you ride the wave and we just keep things moving? Or what do you guys think? I don't know. I, I think it just gets really tough. Um, I think I've said this on here before, but I, I would still love to see what, what if you could just sign up for, you know, it's kind of like U-Triple-S-A. You can sign up to be a majors team. You can sign up to be – it'd be a really interesting way because I don't think if you're good enough that you'd want to sign up for a, a, a tournament that's lower than where you are. Um, you know, and I, I know that's probably not not going to happen, but uh, I've often wondered that. I, the, other, the only other thing I, I, I think we get too much caught up is, like, top 40 teams, top 48 teams, next 64. Like – 
I think if we kept with the enrollment number somehow, um, it might might help because you could always just play little pigtail games. You know, you don't need a exact number to to get into there. So that and my point being is that could help with some of these other teams because maybe um, maybe if you are a private school, it's you, you go up to the next class that you'd be in rankings wise. I don't know, kind of the opposite of of some of the inner city schools what they're doing. Yeah, that's good. That's a, a the interesting point too. The to see how teams, like you said, would sign up. You know how you're like, well, yeah. we want to we want to play up. You know, like an AU tournament or something. They got a bunch of um, 15 year olds, but they want to play in the 17U division or whatever it is. Right. Um, well, can't you actually do that? Can't you move up a class if you want? You didn't need to stay in that class for two years, I think. Yeah, I think Din, you're right. Didn't didn't I so think Elon did that right, Tom? Uh, years ago, we stayed. We yeah. stayed in four A. Yeah, Danville did that several years ago too. Yeah, I think you need. And then you need to stay for two years. I think somebody else did it. Um, maybe it, Grandview. I don't know if it was Grandview Christian or who, but um, but I think you can do that. And then with with North Lynn making that jump and going and catching that two A title, that was just an enrollment, Tony. Though. <laughs> yep. Yeah, they were the. They were the first or second smallest two A school that year. They were they were kind of teetering on the border there for a few years, and then finally, too many kids and went up for a year. Be kind of fascinating though, like Doug. I hear what you're saying that you can, but like if they just opened it up and said you have to, no one's going to be classified. We're not going to do anything. You just have to sign up. And if there's 300 people that sign up for one A, then you got to figure out a way to do it. I mean, it'd be kind of fascinating to see though. <laughs> It would be really, it'd be really funny to see like <laughs> you get to state and you're gonna sign up. Uh, what what four A coaches like? Yeah, we we're gonna sign up for the one A. We want to go down and play. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. <laughs> we got these guys trying to get up a level, and you have the other guys trying to get down and try to collect some wins. That uh, that's funny, but that is a, that is an uh, interesting perspective to kind of think about uh, that opportunity. And and again, you you play the teams that are in front of you. So, all right, let's jump to two A. So Central Lion and uh, Western Christian. Central Lion coming away, big second half, uh, 72-59 in that one. Um, Tom, you were all over Central Lion from the get. Yeah. What do you think? Well, again, they had they had to sneak by Bella Christian. I mean, that was no easy game there. Um, and I, again, I think I think uh Central Lion just kind of played a little tight down there. It was almost like they had some pressure on them. Uh, but the second half of the finals, they just they kind of exploded a little bit. Lutmer took over. Uh, proved that he was the best athlete in the class Ooh. and, uh, you know, just kept making plays. But, but I, I will say Central Lion had three of – probably three of the better best athletes in the whole tournament uh, between uh, Vander Zee and uh, 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 Austin uh, – was it? Andrew Austin. Andrew Big Austin. Guy. Yeah, and, and Lutmer. You know, they uh, – yeah, so uh, no surprise there, but uh, – uh, I, I kind of, I'll be honest, I was kind of surprised how well, I thought Western played really, had a really good tournament. I thought they played really well and they played well without making really any three pointers. I, they were just, everything they seen they made was at the bucket. You know, they were patient. They drove, they kicked, they drove, they shot layups. Yeah, that is interesting. Do you think, and, with and, the, their, and their sophomore, Van Regemorter, he's the sophomore good. one, I really like that kid. <laughs> tough tough as nails, tough as nails. Yeah. He's big and strong too. Yeah. 
I wonder with uh, we talked about it uh, before the tournament, but you, you mentioned being a one seed and a little bit of added pressure that feels like, and then you have the Pelican battle and trying to make sure are are we for real? Like you just have that quick second thought, and then all of a sudden you're like, yeah, no, we we are this good, and so that's good. Tony, what were what were some of your takes on two A? What did you see there with those two teams specifically? Yeah, I thought it was pretty clear from from the jump in that class. The, from the first round games at Central Lion and Western Christian were, were definitely the two best teams there. Um, Central Lion just kind of did what they did all year, um, used a, a quick run to to gain some traction there and and ran away. I know Chris made fun of my headline from that. I, I was going to say, how long how long was that run? It was an 11-0 run in 104 seconds, less than the time it takes to brush your teeth, Chris. <laughs> Is that with one of those, like with the automatic toothbrush that, you know, when you're supposed to switch and go to the other side, that's what you're talking about, right? Yep. I'm telling you, these young guys, they, they, they brush, they have way better, uh, you know, hygiene than, yeah. than we do. Tom, you don't brush your teeth for that long, do you? It's, it's just a little once at, over. Just kind of pick at them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just... That's good. That uh, that was their first state title, though, right? I think I'm correct. Is anybody verify that? Yep. Yeah. One one so their good first for them. Football, first football championship in November. First basketball championship in March. Wow. Good wow. for them. Good group. Good. I will. Good I will give a shout out to uh, my my boys over at Pella Christian, though. They uh, I think they they shocked some people. Um, I don't know. First game, uh, I know we had them picked, uh, but I think that Central Lion game, they came out like dogs and they they got after it. So that was that was kind of fun to see them. But I was I was kind of I had somebody text me like, had Central Lion never seen a zone before? Because it, it was the oddest thing. Like it, they didn't know what to do. But if it was what Pella Christian was doing or what Central Lion was doing, but. Uh, but big shout out to, to J.D. Bohr and Pella Christian because that was they were three inches from going to the title game and nobody had them picked um, to get that far. So J.D. had a huge week. He had a kid the night before his uh, his first game. Yeah. Yep. He's a good coach. He's doing a really good job. Yeah, that is. Geez, that's a big week. I hadn't I hadn't heard that. Chris. Yeah. So yeah, that. Uh... That's a lot going on. You have, you have a kid and <laughs> trying to win. Had a kid on su- had a kid on Sunday, right? Was that it? Was it Sunday? I didn't know if it was Sunday. I think Sunday. Wow. Yeah, that's a. Uh, the kid was there though on Tuesday. I was pretty impressed with his wife. Wow. Yeah. True. Yeah. Wow. I think I saw a picture of him. Yeah. Yeah. Two know, days old. Yeah. That's that's a lot. Well, so, and we're forgetting too, though. Western Christian, didn't they? Am I correct there? Who had to fight back? No, that was the North Lynn game, right? That um, came down to the wire, the big comeback. Yeah, that uh, that was that class. The two A one was two A one was fun. Tony, what do we what do we see in doing a little bit of looking to next year in two A? Where are we where are we kind of leaning? What do we have coming back? That's so exciting, I guess, for two A. Pella Christian should be pretty good. Um, the team that they played in the first round, actually, MFL Marmac, kind of, I think, surprised some people with how well they played given the the soft schedule that they had. And they bring just about everything back, too. So those two should be pretty good. Western's going to be good again. Um, 
haven't haven't dived too deep into it yet, but those those three of the state tournament teams should be pretty strong again. Tony, Tony, Tony. I tried to tell you this earlier in the year. Oh, Kendall Catholic, let's yeah. go. Get on <laughs> that board right too. now. They got everybody coming back. It's got it penciled down. Uh, <laughs> Doug, actually, you mentioned I, and I'm glad you did. I was going to say something about this. It feels like there's a little bit of an equalizer with zone. If you're able to run a good zone, even if in stretches, um, there's some really good teams out there that have just struggled against zone. And I guess that's, you know, again, we've kind of compared and contrasted, but that's crossing over both in the girls game and now in the in the boys game. When when you take a look at you know, on the girls side, Dyke New Hartford and Pleasant Valley, you know, running that zone and just kind of having their way with teams and then, you know, coming over to the boys side, too, and. You know, maybe not the same level of success as, as those two championship teams, but uh, zone, man. And, you know, we talked a little bit about it on the pod. I mean, if you can run a good zone, it it can create some fits because you're not maybe as used to it. You don't, you know, maybe have as much stuff, as many sets installed. And so uh, I'd be interested to hear what you think specifically now from you two coaches on uh, on zone. And then – I think the third piece of that is the shot clock then too, being able to stretch out possessions and now all of a sudden have to try to get into your action, you know, with less time on the clock as opposed to just passing around the perimeter until you get a layup. I'm going to start Tom, because I want you to answer to this too. Um, I I agree on the zone, but also no one runs his own press anymore. And I actually thought we'd see a lot of that with the shot clock, like a a two, two, one or a two, one, two, or even a one, two, one, one. And really like, I was amazed how much, and I think a little bit maybe of that is, is you know, just AAU culture of just man, man, and run and jump. Whereas I'm like, I think there's a real opportunity for some teams to think about some zone pressure too, to then make you take 10 seconds off that shot clock. And then you can fall back into, into a zone if you want to, or man, um, I don't know, coach. I just wanted to see what you thought on that too. I, I totally agree. I think I thought we'd see a lot more 2 one this year. Um, I think what, one of the reasons I think why zones are effective, especially at the high school level, is because, uh, as, first of all, offense has gone to ball pick and dribble drive. So that's what yeah. you do versus a man. And against man, you're getting your three points out of drive and kick. Versus a zone, you're not getting those three-point shots the same way. And, it, again, with a shot clock, it's a double-edged sword now. Not only are you not getting your three-point shots out of drive and kick, you also – you only have 35 seconds to run this zone and zones are yeah, to get the ball moving. You you've always been taught in a zone, be patient, be patient. Well, yeah. you can't be patient anymore. You better have, I mean, you better have a, a quick, some quick hitters or uh, really learn how to, you know, penetrate gaps versus a zone or, or screen screen against a zone, those kind of things. This is an awesome transition too, Brian, because um, I actually thought coach Evans at Bondurant really kind of turned the game around uh, in the final game by going zone. Um, and I don't think they stayed with it, but um, he mixed up his defense. They got down about eight points, I would say, in the first half, second quarter time. And uh, he went to a 2-3 zone just to kind of stop the bleeding, and it got them a little bit out of rhythm. And, uh, you know, ultimately, this is what we're going to talk about next. Right. Well, and I, like I said, I think it's a, a good thing to go and stretch us. Like you said, in those situations, to be able to go out and a couple possessions or a quarter – um, Tom, to your point, to be able to come out at the end of a quarter or 
the last minute on a dead ball and be able to run his own press that, you know, ends up eating 15, 20 seconds of the clock, whatever it might be. Um, a little surprised you don't see more of that. And again, maybe that comes in year two, um, just because we're we're also a little used to seeing it at the college level, you know, where they'll switch up some defense and they're able to make some of those adjustments, um, you know, and they've been obviously playing with the clock shot clock a lot longer and, and kind of know how to do that. But I would be shocked, I guess, if that doesn't become more um, a thing between that and you know, even looking at possible two for one type of situations yeah. will just continually uh, become a bigger and bigger part mm -hmm. of practice and what we're doing. And, and like you said, moving to 3A now, um, Bonnerant making that slight little change and, you know, giving them an opportunity to, to hang around and fight back into it. Um, and Doug, ultimately, your Jays, the, uh, the turbo clockers held on, was able to go and catch that, uh, catch that 3A title you've been talking them up on uh, all, all season. And so... Uh, obviously felt probably better for the Bondurant Blue Jays, but had to feel pretty good for uh, for Doug Deers as well. Come on. I, let's hear it, everybody. <laughs> 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 Doug, Doug, you're right. Crickets. <laughs> well, he, it's easy this year because they didn't lose, so therefore he uh, didn't have to jump off their bandwagon. I was close a few times too. Uh-huh. No, I thought they had a great state tournament, um, you know, and, and I think what I said about them a couple of weeks ago was they didn't really have one well, Colby Collison obviously was probably their best player, but they had five guys that could all kind of score, kind of all do everything. And their point guard, oh. um, the Miller kid was a Miller kid. Mm -hmm. the, Miller, first, I yeah. think the first game, he, I mean, he, he exploded in second, really semi semifinals. Um, he made some big shots. So I think he actually, he deserved that all, all tournament team. Um, and really during the regular season, he was, he, he barely shot the ball. Um, so that, that definitely helped them. So yeah, it was, it was fun to see him play just knowing all those guys and seeing them uh, for the last three or four summers and uh, getting them to know a little bit. So I, I was, I was happy for him and happy for coach Evans too. And I thought he coached his butt off. I thought, um, he did. He switched up man to zone. He got in foul trouble that championship game. And I was like, uh oh, because they they go six, maybe seven deep. Um, they had a freshman playing that barely played all year that had to come in for big minutes in the first half. So um, props to Bondurant. I thought they did a nice job down the stretch using some timeouts to uh, that when they did take the lead, they scored and took their timeouts to set up their defense, which I thought was was effective. Um, it was a good that was. I, well, I mean, just from a coming down to the wire, that was probably, you could argue, the best game of the tournament. And uh, I always think that 3A last game, because you got all the 4A people, and there's just a really good atmosphere there. And so uh, that was a really fun game to watch. And uh, nice to see uh, just good competition. You know, 3A, I think we, we talked about this all year, has been the class that maybe – you know, obviously we, we kind of said it with Bondurant, they went undefeated, which I think you can't, can't forget how hard that is to do to have no glitches. But, um, you know, there was, there was, even with that being said, there was a lot of parody, but uh, it was kind of fun to watch it all play out because then in the end uh, they, they did what they needed to do as well. And they, they beat everyone who was in front of them or, you know, on the court with them. I did think it was kind of funny because I remember on our pod before 
the tournament started, Larson, you had mentioned something because nobody picked Xavier on the pod that you were like, and now Xavier's going to go win the Maybe, state yeah. championship. <laughs> and then it uh, was ever so close, and they were right there and, and had an opportunity to do it. And so that uh, that's good. It kind of shows a little bit of about, like you said, the parity in 3A. Yeah, Doug. I, I think I was probably disappointed the most, and I hadn't seen Hoover play all year, but that Hoover-Xavier game, I mean, Hoover – I don't know what happened where it just, they kind of laid an egg. Um, I know their, their stud got in foul trouble, but geez, you got to figure something out there. So that, that was probably the game I was looking forward to the most, but it ended up probably being the most disappointing game. So, so one note on that, as you talk about, because by the time I turned the game on, um, Henderson had already fouled out. So I didn't get an opportunity to see the kid and it was still in the third quarter. Yeah. So I was uh how that was a little disappointed by that. Obviously got a few more of the details as far as what happened in the situation that they were put in. But uh yeah, did not definitely didn't see that coming. I don't think a lot of people did. Um expected a good game, but didn't expect things to quite go like that. And so that was that was definitely unfortunate for them. But um all right, and then real quickly I gotta touch on obviously the the rooting interest, Adam, that you had in, in North Polk and Tom that you did in trying to to pick a dark horse in 3A because it was so crazy in the North Pole comments. Um, if they had they a young, close. if they you had, close. if they They're had a young, after three quarters, <laughs> if they had a young Adam V out there that could shoot a, a couple threes for them, you know, I don't know. We might have to hide you on defense, Adam. Uh, they might be able to help you out there, but I mean, we get might. this state, might get this state championship. We could score the ball a little bit. What's the deal, comments? Come on. I, you know, I, I think I've told you get. I've, talk to you guys about this and a couple other people, but yeah, they played really well for those first three quarters. And I, I don't think they played bad the fourth quarter, but geez, I mean, Bondurant just turned it on and there was, there was no catching up to them. Um, yeah. It, it was, it was hard to get the ball in the hoop that fourth quarter, but that's what good teams do. You know, they, they make shots when, when they need to. So yeah, like everybody said, kudos to Bondurant. Great season. I, I was going to say that I was, you know, through the, for the coaches that I watched all week, North Polk's coach might have been the most engaged coach from tip off to end of any coach I saw. I mean, he 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 brings it. He does. He's playing defense. He's uh, having his hands up when shooters are shooting. Yes. Uh, almost like he's out there, but on the sideline. Coach Dose getting after it. Uh, what what about healing, Tom? Would you had to have been uh, have. Maybe not the results, obviously, that you wanted. It's yeah. it's cut down the net or nothing, but there had to be a little good feelings leaving the well. Absolutely. You know, um, and I again, I thought all year that they had, in just watching other 3A teams on video and, and being the rankings, I mean, I knew they had a talented team. Uh, I They came down, to, and I wouldn't say they played great, they but they played solid. And they, they represent, you know, they represent, obviously you're at the state tournament, you're playing the best teams in the state. They had a couple of kids really step up and uh, Matt Noll and Carter Keel. But, uh, you know, the nice thing is out of their top seven kids, they got four kids back uh, for next year. So they've got, a, you know, this is, they got a taste and I think they got a good chance of getting back there and compete for the championship next year. So is, is healing right now the team to be in 3A? Is that what you're saying, Tom? I think yes, they are. They're the team to beat in three A. I think, oh. and again, I think you're going to see they're going to be a little bit different team next year. They're going to be bigger. Uh, one of the things that I don't want to say it hurt them this year, but they uh, what hurt them against Xavier was Xavier was just bigger and more physical, especially in you know in the guard court. Um, 
and we'll have next year uh you know the the Quinn Olson the kid that played uh, the five fours this year would most likely be the the point guard next year so how many, be, how many transfers will they have coming in uh, well we're, we're hoping I'm right now I'm in negotiations <laughs> with uh, coach Raz Vanderloo he's he's got he's got enough coming in for both East and Healing so we're we're just trying to figure out how to split it Okay. Just, just, <laughs> just picking teams here between the two schools. And, and that, roster, say, that roster will turn over. While we're out, wasn't wasn't seeing Raz just one of the highlights last week? Oh, good. Love talking with Raz. <laughs> yeah, we. So why you bring that up though? I mean, we talked about it on the chat. Raz handing out all say all academic. Yeah, I love it. Love to see him out there. That's just going to see the president. They're the principal to get the award right there. So good job. Good job, Raz. It's good to see see you looking cleaned up too. He's cleaned up, has suit on. Jeez, he's just yeah. putting in the work. All right, Tony. Uh 3A, what did you see? What did you like? Is do you agree with this healing comment that Tom's throwing out about next year too? So kind of give me a quick little rundown of everything that you got. Yeah, I think I do agree with Tom right now that Healing's probably the team to beat in 3A. Um, you know, we said earlier this week it's probably Sioux City Catholic and Cedar Rapids Catholic as the as the top two heading into next year, and I think that's probably the case. Um, Bondurant, I, I just looked this up in their semifinal and championship game. They trailed for 47 minutes and 42 seconds, led for 12 minutes and 11 seconds. That's kind of a, a team of destiny, maybe. Chris mentioned the the defensive adjustment that they made in the championship game, but offensively um, putting Colby Collison down in the post more in the second half inverted, inverted the offense for them and drew Tyler Nedelicki away from the basket. And they were able to get to the, get to the bucket and get to the free throw line a little more frequently there. And I think that was a, a big adjustment there for coach Evans too, that, that delivered them the undefeated season. Yeah, Tony, you've seen Xavier more. Um, I, I had to think, and I had only seen him play, you know, I, I seen him on film a couple times prior to this, but I had to think they would have wanted the, the ball in Bean's hand at the in that last play, especially when um, 23 fouled out. And I just, uh, really good job by, uh, but that's again, that's a thing of a, of a championship team. They denied him the ball, and, and really their last possession was a little bit helter-skelter because... Uh, Bondurant took away everything they wanted to accomplish on it. And, uh, yep. you know, that, that's how you win those games. Yep. They made, they made him give it up and then never let him get it back. And that yeah. was yeah. certainly the plan for Xavier. So, so definitely credit to Bondurant there. It's just well executed. That's just a, a wonderful year for Bondurant and what they were able to do with that group of guys. And you guys have all mentioned it, but having the versatility to be able to have that many guys that you can lean on, um, have some role players step up and overcome adversity, fight back from a deficit. And so it was a fun year, fun year to, to pay attention to Bondurant and congrats to them I, on getting that three-a title. I should have mentioned, though, anybody else, that Bean, though, man, he was he might have been the most entertaining guy in the tournament to watch, though. He is old school, crafty, and shifty. like. He was, he, he, he's, he's a gem. Is he going anywhere, Tony? Not yet. He's just a junior. Oh, yeah. He's just, well, he's going to have, I, I was thinking he was a senior. Yeah. He, uh, just as terms of his understanding of the game is really high level. And, uh, especially I felt like on the offensive end with just a, a variety of moves with the ball in his hands. That's, uh, yeah, that's, that'd be fun. So he's only a junior. It'd be fun to watch and see how that develops. 
All right, let's slide over to 4A. So 4A, Pleasant Valley, taking down Kennedy. I mean, Tony, you've seen Pleasant Valley play, I know, at least a couple times. And you've seen, I know, Kennedy play at least three or four times. But you, you, didn't, you didn't even see this one coming. Not I mean, at what, all. What, what, what do you think? Um, I mean, I, I guess from more an outsider's perspective, as I watched it, it just – Kennedy just never felt like they – got going like it was just felt like they were going uphill the whole time and things never started clicking and before they knew it the clock ran out but uh what, what did you see from the, from that first round matchup yeah and you just kept waiting for the kennedy run to come and it it never did uh, pv did a good job in transition defense i thought they knocked down a bunch of threes early on to kind of to give themselves some momentum there and and I thought they did a really good job defensively on on Kenzie Reed and Colby Dolphin, who I think kind of started to press as the game went on there, kind of knowing that you're you're the favorite here and it's it's slipping away. Um, Hill, Coach Hillman's obviously won a ton of games at Pleasant Valley, and they they play their style and they do it well, and they they kind of forced Kennedy to play the more half court game that Pleasant Valley wanted to, and used their physicality to just kind of kind of wear Kennedy down and take them out of what they wanted to do. But I, I wouldn't have expected them to be able to dictate tempo in that one. Having seen both teams play multiple times this year. And they certainly did. They definitely controlled the tempo. They, they valued the basketball. They worked the clock. They worked possessions. I mean, that was something like you said, you're just kind of waiting. Uh, Kennedy cut it to two with three to go. Maybe does that sound something like that, Tony? Yeah, I think it was two or three, and then PV just kind of put the clamps on again and yeah. made free throws down the stretch and put it away. Yeah, I think they're right. I think then they came down and hit a three and was right back to five, and then you just got the sense you're like, well, PV. I mean, they just hold on. I mean, every possession is a valued possession, and they're shooting it under ten on the clock, and they don't turn it over. Um, you know, I know that I think it was in the first half they had two turnovers the whole half, and then. I think got some pressure early in the second half. So I had a few more than that, but they just don't turn the ball over. And so you're like, well, how is Kennedy going to get back in this? They're not turning the ball over and they're not scoring every possession. And like I said, just kind of felt like the clock ran out um, on them. And so that was, that was an interesting way to kind of kick things off. And then um, Larson talked quickly about uh, Norwalk and, and the fight that you saw with those guys against uh, what would yeah. turn out to be a, obviously a really good Valley team. Yeah, uh, just I thought it was a really good game. Uh, I, you know, Norwalk got down a little bit. Obviously, Valley's length, I think, thought in the first half we struggled with that. But then um, came out and really showed kind of the grit and toughness they had all year in the second half and got right back into the game and, and just such a game of interest. Braden Carlson had his fingertips on a, on a pass that with about two and a half minutes to go, that was going to go be a layup and cut the lead to three. Instead, he misses, misses the ball. Just, you know, it just kind of scrapes him. He misses the big guy uh, attacks uh, Jillick and kicks out to, to uh, number two, Kiki. Uh, I forget his last name. Yeah. Dang. And um, he makes the three and now we come down force a three and then we start playing the following game and boom, there's your ball game just like that. And so, you know, that's what makes these tournaments so great though, is, we, we could sit there and talk about a variety of little plays, you know, and sometimes, you know, in, in Valley's case, just even the, the, the fact that Pleasant Valley upset Cedar Rapids Kennedy and not that they couldn't have beat Kennedy as well, but 
everything would have been different, you know, and uh, that's what makes these all so fun. So I was proud of the Warriors. I thought, um, you know, we'll, we'll use, lose two tough seniors, but I think anytime Reddick Bourne's leading your team, uh, it, the, the Norwalk will be a uh, force to be reckoned with next year again uh, at the 4A level. It'll be interesting to see how that uh, works out for them and what they're able to to do to be able to take that experience as we talked about. Yeah. Um, obviously, no stranger to the well, but 4A was a different monster. And so yep. it'd be fun to, fun to see what they were able to do. All right, with that, guys, we got to talk about the semifinal game in the bottom of the bracket. Waukee versus Waukee Northwest. Um, the, the rematch that everybody was looking for, part three, split series at the well. Um, upper bowl, I believe, was open. I mean, people were excited, ready to go. And so from an atmosphere, before we even get into the game, from an atmosphere standpoint, um, what, what can you guys touch on real quickly for any listeners that weren't there that uh, uh, going into that game and just the one, one city divided and two really good basketball teams? Yeah, I, I thought it was great, especially living around here, you know, and kind of watching that. You know, Gal, when I started, Waukee was a two-way program, program and watching it grow to this size of, of community. But just seeing the two halves of the place where, you know, these, these are people that have all grown up together and their kids have grown up playing in Little League and all this stuff together. And um, it was just interesting, though. There was a strong tension that was just like, it was a tasty atmosphere in terms of uh, just... Uh, it was appropriately disliked for it, you know, and uh, obviously the way the game started is I thought had a lot to do with that probably, you know, with the, the technical foul and everything that happened. Came out with emotion, you know, and just a lot of energy that goes into that. And you kind of have to know that a little bit, I think of kind of the dynamics of that. Doug, I guess you're kind of our liaison for officiating. What do you think from, from understanding that game and how things were going and, you know, in such a big game, tech on the bench makes that tough because now coach has to sit down. They made a huge deal out of him having to sit down, but obviously it worked out in his favor. But I mean, what what do you think from from that side of things? And that's tough. I get there's a lot going on, but it's funny when when things like this happen in games. All the all my ref buddies were all texting back and forth, and um, you know we all have our opinions. But I, I I'm guessing if that referee could have taken if he could have taken that back I'm sure he would have but it was probably I know one of the the bench players said something um very inappropriate he heard it right away and I'm sure it was just instinct he banged him um if he knew what was going to happen you know where the coach was going to have to sit you know but he may have warned him um but it, it's tough when you hear a player say something inappropriate and even though it's a big game doesn't matter Larson I know you're giving me that face um but as a referee if you hear somebody drop an f bomb if that's what the kid said and you're standing right there and you don't do anything about it now he could have blown his whistle gave a warning to both benches and say we're not doing this anymore but he called a technical and that's what he did and it you know, it, it didn't change the outcome of the game, I don't think, but it did, did change how, how Brett coached for sure. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's always interesting in, in those situations. It was a huge atmosphere. Um, and, and as official, you kind of got to know what, what you're walking into there. Well, then the other thing I'm going to say to you, though, is you better be darn sure then 
when Omaha makes his first three in turns and, and tells the, the whole bench to shush and do, does his antics, then you better, you, you, you better make it kind of clear on that too. I agree. But see, I then you set up your precedents. I mean, and I agree with what you said. If you could go back, I'm sure, because I'm sure it was inappropriate. And like I said, that's what goes back to these kids grew up together. I'm sure it was a little, you know, I'm not saying that's right, but let's be honest. We've all been that age of boys and you talk, you, you do some trash talking sometimes. Well, and I, and I, in every game, referees have a pregame. So we get together and we go, okay, hey, this is a big game. We're, there's going to be a lot of talking. Let's set the, let's set from the beginning. Let's make sure we got control of this game because we don't need yep. anything to get the control. So I'm assuming, I don't know. I didn't talk to those guys, but it, that's maybe what happened. Cause that was what a minute and a half into the game. Yeah. And so they're like, all right, we're going to make sure we don't have anything going on because I don't want to be involved in a fight or anything. So if something happens, if you hear an F-bomb or whatever it is, let's bang it right away and get it over with. And Boom! It happened. So it happened. That's 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 just being in those meetings before. I I just know how those games are. Hey Doug, I have a question for you. As an as a official a connoisseur, uh, well, you know me. I'm a grumpy old man, and one of the things that I get, and I think I saw it on every three point shot that was made at the state tournament, that the kids have to either put three fingers to their head, three fingers somewhere, or now. It's they're pointing not only at their own crowd, they're pointing at the other crowd. I mean, I, I think I saw kids point at the opposing crowd after making threes at least a half dozen times at the state tournament. Now, is that taunting? I mean, at, at what point is this is, is this something that will ever be addressed, or is it just part of the game now? You ever seen that cartoon where the old man's yelling at the cloud? That's that's, <laughs> that's you right now, Tom. I don't watch cartoons. <laughs> this is that's i don't i don't if it becomes if they're taunting yes but they're running down the court with their three up in the air getting their 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 student section going what's wrong with it they're having fun this game is fun right now if they taunting the other player yes you say something but running down the court with your hand in the air with a three who cares it's Dude, fun. Oh, so, so Doug's so, line is the line we all have to follow. I'm going to say this. It, to me, it's self-promotion. It's what we're all about. It's look at me. This is why I should get rid of technical fouls, because what is it actually? Uh, they're not doing fun. it to get the crowd involved. They're doing it to celebrate themselves. So real quickly on with Kiki Dang's uh, it's over tech that he got. Yeah. I mean, where, how does that fall in with the a three or i mean is that was it the motion of it's over is that was that the problem or was that considering taunting or what was the deal with that one i actually did not see that so i don't know what he did did he give the throat the throat slice yeah, it was over yeah he dunked he got a dunk and he said it's over and he they got him right away as soon as he did it <laughs> you uh, yeah i don't <laughs> I, I don't know if i would call that come on doug <laughs> usually i will back up officials but if, sometimes you just got to look the other way and go okay let's get this thing over with i i don't when did that happen was it towards right at the end of the game right in the end of the pv game wasn't it was it the pv game yeah i think it was at, during the pv game because zay yeah. robinson had the dunk at the end of the championship yeah 
he waited till after the the horn the, went off. The horn, yeah, yeah, that was that was smart. But but I mean, Doug, and not to put you on the spot with that one, but that's to the point of it. It is hard. Like it's hard to know like what the, is this line and who's and who's where and you know and and it and it is and I mean that's something too, Tom. I would I would guess that uh, from a coach standpoint. Uh, the three to the head is probably not going to be not going to be accepted uh, in in a in a bets coached um, team, but it's hard. I mean, like, how do you know? Well, like you said, you start getting you let the coaches space. decide. You know, I, I'm the fun hater. I'm the guy that doesn't like when they go to the end of the, the starting lineup line and they got to go through all this dance and all this feel me out and all this other baloney. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I for I I personally believe we should get rid of starting lineups. I mean, I don't need a starting lineup to know who's going to start. I can actually tell by who goes out and starts the game. Oh, don't need to announce it. Just bring we them out. We don't need to announce it. Just, just do a team introduction. Here comes the team. Go team. Yeah. Total fun hater. <laughs> no, I, I mean, we're, we're, it's about to, you well, know. I, did you see? We, did we, we, live in, we Unfortunately, we live in a world where it's all about self-promotion. And this I, is just I, promoting it. I, I agree with you. Did you anybody notice what Pella Christian, what JD makes his kids do um, after they foul? And he's done this for since he started. If they foul, he makes them raise their hand. Old school. That's, Tommy, that's how it used to be. Yep. So he I had to raise my hand. He implemented that um, when he first got here. Um, so if they foul, even if it's not on them, he he's raises his hand and it gets rid of all complaining. You don't see any of the hands throwing up and he's like no matter what just throw your hand up it is on me um so I'm, I'm kind of surprised nobody else saw that and if you only have one foul and our best player has four make sure your hand goes up first <laughs> <laughs> oh that's good no um all right so let's move uh to the championship game then so we talked a little bit about off air about bouncing back from that semifinal game. Um, obviously, we talked about the emotion and everything that went into it. I guess we didn't get to Waukee came out ready to go. Northwest seemed to weather the storm and then kind of just put on a terror there in the second half and kind of kind of ran away with things and and uh, had some guys that stepped up big and was able to get past the um, emotion and the energy and the high level of talent that was out there and find themselves in the championship game on, on Friday, but that's a lot to recover from. And you have a really athletic Valley team out there. Who's playing with house money. Um, who's already kind of known that they have caused you fits and beat them, right? Did they beat them yep, earlier in the year? Yep. Yeah. And so split with them earlier in the year, they know they can beat you. Um, you know, then coming, getting a few more extra hours of rest, not playing that late game. And uh, Valley came out and impressive. Uh, they looked good. They were able to, to execute and be quick and athletic and play their style of game, engaged, um, and made some big shots when they needed. And so, uh, Tony, I guess I'll start with you here because I want to hear what you saw specifically from Valley uh that makes you maybe nervous for the rest of 4a here moving forward with these sophomores and what they're able to do yeah pretty terrifying week if you're the rest of the state um with almost 80 percent of their points this 90 percent of their points this week coming from sophomores um i think the 
just looking at box scores from when they played Northwest throughout the year, it looked like they kind of reserved themselves to let Price get his. We're going to take Kelderman away. And that's basically what they what they did in the championship game too, um, with with their length and athleticism in the backcourt. They just made made life really difficult for Kelderman, who had had such a great semifinal game. And and if you take him away, it it kind of forces some other players on Northwest to step up who who aren't accustomed to being in the bigger roles. Um, Grant Tiggis played really well, but they they just didn't get enough from from Kelderman to compete with with the length and athleticism that Valley has yeah the Tiggis kid was one that I was really impressed with watching um you know obviously knew about the the big two but uh didn't know as much about him and so I thought you know he he, I guess I didn't see a lot of their first round game but in those two those um second and third games I mean I was was impressed He, he, he played really well and so I'm sure had to have been you know, in the discussions, you know, especially uh, you have to turn your ballot in at halftime. So maybe not see, you know, continue to score in the second half, but he had to be on that list of kids to keep an eye on for that all tournament team. Yeah. He, he was on my ballot. Yeah. That Doug was... will just tell you cause he's got Kemper in his blood. <laughs> Kemper kids rise to the top. Just show up, uh, show up in the, the, the big games. That's for sure. So that was, um, that was that was fun. That was, you know, uh, Larson taking a look back to you know that climb from the Norwalk to then what you saw in the championship game from Valley. I mean, was it uh, was it something that surprised you that it was went that way, or was that something that uh, you know it was a a fifty fifty coin toss going into that? Yeah, I think uh, I, I I will tell you I I thought when um, Kennedy got beat it really opened the door for, for Valley to have a really good week. Um, I, I think no matter what, they, they were going to be a problem for either team. I, I just, they have so much experience. You know, you talk about the inexperience of their team, but you also got to talk about the experience of their bench. And when you got BJ, Matt Carter, Willie Thornton, I don't know who their fourth assistant is, but those three all with head coaching experience at the 4A level, multiple, multiple years, um, that, that's something that I don't think can be overshadowed. I thought they, you could really see the difference in the way they defended and the way Waukee defended the night before um, and how Northwest and, and coach Watson is just, I, you know, you guys know, I think he's one of the premier offensive minds that, that we have in our, in our state right now. And he was getting everything he wanted. Like just, he could design things to get whatever shot he wanted on Friday night. Well, on Saturday it was kind of just the opposite. Um, the the length of Valley and the, the 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 game planning of their coaching staff just really jumbled that up a little bit. And and like Tony alluded to, they played it a little more straight up with um, with Price. But they also have that luxury to have so much length and so many athletes. Um, I, I I kind of going back to what Tony said in the one A games. I I would give a, a special shout out to and and. I hope Tony can help me his name. Number 14. Is it Wilson? The only senior. Who is it? Travian Carson. He was really Carson. Good. Carson. Thank you. Um, what a glue guy he is. You know, um, he is always, and, and you know, BJ had talked to me earlier in the week, you know, because kind of just talking about the kids who he's had to guard this year. He's twice had to guard Sanford, twice had to guard Omaha. And then 
that's just those games, not to mention there's the, every team's really best player. And, and I was so impressed with him. He was getting every big rebound. And uh, I thought he could be used kind of the glue and just let those young guys go out and kind of do their thing. And obviously Zay Robinson was awesome, but uh, good for Carson to get his uh, state title before he left. Cause I thought he played awesome. And, and he kind of was a coach out on the court for him too. Yeah. That's big too, to be able to have that, uh, that guy that will, will do some of the nitty gritty for you. And, I had an AAU coach say something to me earlier in the week about those guys saying like, those guys have been terrorizing people since fifth grade. I wouldn't be surprised if they go out and, uh, and win a state championship this week. And yeah. As it turned out, you can tell those really guys good. play together. There's uh, a chemistry with them um, that they have the ability to, to go out and, and do what they did on Friday night and, and cut down the nets and get that championship. So let me, let me ask you coaches this because um, they started four sophomores. How hard is that to bring, even though they may be the most, you know, really good players, how hard is that as a coach to go, all right, seniors move aside. We got four studs here as sophomores at a four, a school too. So, you know, there's gotta be some pretty good juniors and seniors on that team. And just push them aside and go, all right, we're, we're going with four sophomores here. How hard is that to do? I mean, I, I get it at 1A and 2A just because you don't have that many talented kids. But, man, at a 4A school like Valley, for BJ to do that, that, that takes some guts, doesn't it? I, I don't know if it's the guts. I don't know how you um, – they have four. Four. And I remember in 09 we had a kid that was a sophomore kid, Alex Malloy, and we had nine seniors. And Alex didn't even have a varsity uniform at the beginning of the year because we had all these seniors. And in midseason, my seniors came to me and said, Coach, Malloy needs to be up with us. And by the end of the season, they were telling me he needs to be in the starting lineup. And so I think sometimes those kids, they're, they're no dummies. I they, wish he wouldn't have been. Yeah, because he guarded door. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I agree. But I, I also will tell you um, – I think it's really important as a coach, you understand you are the Valley high school basketball coach. You are not the 18U basketball coach. And, and that's something that we said right from the start. I know um, we've had different groups that have had that. And I, like like Tom was saying, we if you coach long enough, you're going to have that. That was one thing we always said, though, is it, this is the varsity basketball team. And you don't know what's going to happen the senior your, your seniors are not guaranteed playing time. It's going to be who gives us because it's not fair to the other seniors either. No. Because once you start doing that, then then you're saying people get something just for their age or just like everybody's on the same level. But if you have two seniors, you know, we'll take Carson, for example. Yeah, I bet you he was glad those guys were playing with him and they won the state title. Right. It, rather than just playing with the guys in his own grade. I just think it's one of the responsibilities you have as a coach. Yeah, I thought I just, it is a, is an outlier watching Valley play. I thought that their seniors that were coming off the bench were like bought into mm -hmm. their roles. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I just, Good I, I, I give BJ props for, yeah. for doing that because that's, if they are, you know, I just think bringing up four sophomores and starting them, is uh that's 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 strong and uh now he's set so he's 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 set for the next couple of years but um at a 4a school to do that and push your seniors aside or maybe met with them and say hey 
here's your role. This is what it looks like. And I'm sure he did. And go, this is what's going to happen. These guys are going to start and you're going to have this role. Um, you know, prop, props to him and it got him a state title. Yeah, that was fun. That was fun to watch those guys and just see their athleticism on display. And they'll be anxious to see how things continue to move forward for them next couple of years. Keep an eye on on the Valley Tigers for sure. Um, so to kind of start to wrap things up, all tournament team. We talked a little bit about uh, how everything went down and in, in the voting. And so, I mean, I think we've exhausted that a little bit. But uh, what do we think from the possibility now? I know, Tony, I think I believe you do your own. But, you know, mixing this up and doing possibly like a one, like a one all tournament, like a true all tournament team where, you know, maybe it's the best five players in the captain. So you have six guys. Uh, that you're picking from to be able to have a true all tournament team. Is that something um, that you guys would be, you know, interested to see? And I don't know if this becomes the all tournament team or if this is in addition, but uh, you know, I think it would be kind of, kind of fun to see like who would be, you know, again, like how is this all not the five best players? Is this the, who had the best tournament? I mean, is this something that uh, you guys would be interested in knowing or seeing? For me, I, I, I want to do less, not more. I want to do less with the kids. The tournament should be about the teams that get down there. And uh, I love Tony's write-ups on them afterwards. Um, I, don't, I, I would rather have, have that be after. Well, I, I kind of agree. I think sometimes they're put together so quick that, that there's kids that deserve to be on there that are left off. So if you're going to do it that quick, it's, it's maybe – I think if you're going to do it, I think it, we could do it better more justice if it was uh, a day later rather than being that night. Yeah. And again, I still go back to, I, I, it's, if kids aren't there to accept it, then it just diminishes, you know, if there's only two or three kids in the picture, it kind of diminishes the deal. Yeah, no, that's definitely true. So, um, all right, we'll uh, wrap up, get out of this. We got a couple of things that I'm going to kind of tease for the next time that we meet up, and maybe things oh. will. Um, oh, sorry, Tom, you got one more thing to add. I got. I have to give a shout out to my boy Tim Lauk. You know, yes. Tim, Tim. Tim. He he is. I told him, in uh, in all respect of semi pro, he is my favorite jive turkey. <laughs> He's my favorite JT. There you go, Tim. There you go. For listening. Tim, got to got that shout out. Um, Doug, we can't have a three A pick unless you want to pick. Are you ready to pick for next year? I have no idea. I actually looked at it and I think I text Tony and I'm like, who's even going to be good? Because I went I went through the teams. Bondurant's losing a lot. Newton's losing a lot. North Polk is losing a lot. Um, I mean, almost every team except for Helan has their stud. There back. you go. Matt Knoll might carry the Helan Crusaders to a 3A state championship next year. So I, I think they definitely have to be the top of the board because I, I don't know. 3A will be a crap shoot next year. There you go. You heard it here first already. It'll be fun to keep an eye on. Um, a couple of things that, uh, as I said, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of tease as we move into some summer episodes of Hoop Troop. Uh, continuing to hash out this five class and possible final four. So we'll have to talk a little bit about how kind of some of that comes to it. Um, we got the shot clock in big parts of Doug's um, push here, <laughs> working on uh, this 10-year run of Larson getting this final four. 
Um, how long is it going to take us to get black charge restricted area? Circle. Yeah, next year. Come on, just put, paint a circle. That that feels like a pretty easy. Let's go ahead and mm -hmm. insert that in. Um, and are, are we going to get it down to a thirty second shot clock? Do you think at some point, or are we saying? No, they're staying thirty five. Staying thirty five. You might get you might get some different resets, but uh, oh yeah. And I think we should, like Doug says, we should move the three point line back, right? No, definitely not. <laughs> three point line needs to stay where it's at. Shooting's bad already. We need to. Actually, I think in the late eighties, mid eighties, when the Big East ACC had it even closer, I think the we seven, should do the that. seventeen footer. Yes, yeah. I think we should move the three point line even closer. No. We cannot do that. I am a huge proponent of making all the rules the same. So the, the more we can get this thing to everybody has the same rules, play quarters, be able to advance the ball with timeout, restricted area. I mean, let's just go to the college line. Let's just do, let's just do it all um, and get these, get these kids prepped and ready to go. But all those feel like for a summer pod in which that we can sit here and round table some of that. Um, with that, let's let's get out of here for the year. It was a wonderful season. Hold on, Larson, you got a story? You got something for us? No, yet? we did not give away any merchandise. Oh yeah. So I have a trivia question to end the pod. To my knowledge, we have three Iowa kids coaching in the NCAA tournament this year. Name who they are and their schools for a little free merch. Are you guys up for it? You gonna give away some stuff? Three I, I like University of Iowa kids. No, three Iowa kids. Yeah, they're the coaching. They're coaching in the NCAA's in the NCAA tournament this week. You can't tell them though no, until we, we stop. So the totally first person to tweet at you a reply with those three and our high schools. How about? And I'll give you a one. We totally you think gave, you know him? We totally gave one away tonight on our Twitter. Um, if <laughs> if you follow anything that we did, so we we teased one that uh, will be here in Des Moines. What? So yeah, head coaches, three head coaches. Oh, you want head coaches oh, or coaches? Three head coaches. Oh, giddy up, cowboy. Okay, three head coaches. Then we did not give one away. So right, that's what made me think of it. Gotcha. Are you down for that? What's that? Doug. One of them was just playing tonight. Um, yeah, don't tell people. <laughs> they, they got to get Stop us. the they show. Gotta, Stop they it. Figure it out. All right, let's get out of here. As always, shoot or shoot.